Proverbs. And this morning we'll look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. It's a little long, so if you get tired and need to sit, that's okay. Proverbs 2, beginning at verse 1. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative word. My son, if you receive my words and store up my commandments with you, making your attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, I want to ask that as your word goes forth this morning, it will be like seed landing on good soil. I pray that it will land on tender hearts and bear fruit 30, 60 even a hundredfold, do solely to your blessing. And I ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My wife has this saying, I don't know where she came up with it, but it goes like this. The answer is always no unless you ask. Most of you know that we've gone on a few college visits with Zach, and on one visit we went to Ottawa University, and we met with uh, one of the professors there in the administration department, and then we got a tour of the campus, and, and then we met with the coaches for the baseball team, and, and afterwards I was thinking, well, if anything changes, most likely he's going to go to this school, so I said to one of the coaches, uh, would it be possible for you to give Zach a baseball cap? And he said, oh, that's a little above my pay grade. Uh, and he turns to one of the other coaches, and he says uh, he would like his son to have a baseball cap. And he handed him a key, and it turned out to be the key to the equipment room that was full of baseball caps and jerseys and, and pants and, and whatnot. And they, they gave Zach a cap. 
Now, when I asked if Zach could have a, a baseball cap, my wife looked like she was a little embarrassed because her head was like this. Like, I can't believe you're asking for a baseball cap. But I said to her a little later, I said, well, you always say the answer is no unless you ask. <laughs> In the context of prayer, James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. When it comes to asking for wisdom, Solomon is saying, don't be shy, don't be timid. In fact, be bold. Look at verse 3. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for a hidden treasure, then you will find it. I think we can summarize chapter 2 this way. Solomon is saying, if you tenaciously and boldly ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. And you need it. Because wisdom will guard you and deliver you from the way of evil men and the forbidden woman. And furthermore, this wisdom will determine the trajectory of your life and eternity. If you're taking notes, we can summarize it under three points. Number one, wisdom is yours for the asking. Number two, wisdom will deliver you. And number three, wisdom will determine your future. So let's begin with the first point. Wisdom is yours for the asking. But as we've already seen, you have to call out. You have to raise your voice. You have to seek after it like silver. You have to search for it like hidden treasure. Now, here's a question I have for you. How many of you here this morning need wisdom? Three, three, four. <laughs> you all need wisdom. For some of you, it could be that the survival of your marriage will depend on wisdom. Just recently, I heard about a couple of couples that are going through divorce, heart, heartbreaking. They needed wisdom before they got to that point. Or maybe you're single and, and you need wisdom to choose the right spouse or wisdom to find contentment in the midst of your singleness and your, your loneliness. Uh, Thanksgiving is, is coming up, and many of us are getting together with extended family and friends. And, and already we know that keen discernment is going to be necessary around the dinner table. And maybe we should keep in mind Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time to speak up and a time to keep your big mouth shut. That's a paraphrase. <laughs> and as the author of Hebrews might say, Time would fail me to speak of our children or grandchildren or parents or careers or retirement or finances or health. There are many areas that we could talk about in which we need wisdom. The list is endless. But one thing's for sure, we all need wisdom. But here's the good news. If you persistently ask, seek, and knock at the door of heaven, you will receive. Notice the, the flow of thoughts given in these opening verses. Verse 1, if you receive my words, 
verse 3, if you call out for insight, verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Isn't that a wonderful promise? If you seek after it, then you will find it. God will give it to you. Solomon is encouraging us to get wisdom. This is what he says a little later in Proverbs 4, uh, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. The NIV translates the second half of the verse this way. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Bruce Wolke translates the Hebrew this way. In exchange for all your acquisitions, get insight. That reminded me of Erasmus who said, when I have a little money, I buy books. And if I have any left over, I buy food and clothes. Talk about a man with his priorities straight. <laughs> do whatever you have to do to get wisdom. Now, at this point, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but here we go. Wisdom is principles to live by. Here's another one from Ben Franklin. A penny saved is a penny earned. You know that was said hundreds of years ago. <laughs> But it used to be that a penny saved was a penny earned. That's a good principle. Number two in understanding wisdom, it is character to guard our lives. Characters like humility, righteousness, and faith. But wisdom is also number three, and most importantly, a person. The person of Jesus Christ. So wisdom is principles to live by. It's characteristics that should guide our lives. And it is a person, the person of Jesus himself. Now, here's what I think is the key verse to the book of Proverbs. And this is going to surprise you because the key verse is not in Proverbs. It's in Colossians 2.3. Nevertheless, I think this is the key verse to Proverbs. Colossians 2.3, Paul says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. So if you are going to get wisdom, true godly wisdom, then you must get Jesus Christ. Because that's where God is hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. So we can't be schizophrenic here and think, I want to be wise, insightful, understanding, but I want all of that apart from Jesus. It doesn't work that way. That's like saying, I want guacamole without avocados. Doesn't work that way. If you want wisdom, you must go to Christ because that's where God's wisdom is found. Now, when you get wisdom, let me just highlight a few of the benefits that you will receive in this passage. There's many, but consider just a few. Verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk 
in integrity. That's interesting. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. You, you need a shield because you're in the midst of a battle. And notice precisely what the shield is. It's God Almighty himself. He's the shield. And then verse 8, guarding the paths of justice. So when you get wisdom, you get guarding. Second half of verse 8, and watching over the way of his saints. You get watching over. Verse 11, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Now here's something I think is fascinating. Um, if you look at verse 8, it says that God himself will guard you and watch over you, while verse 11 says that discretion will watch over you and guard you. So we can harmonize those two ideas by saying that God is personally involved in the discretion, in the wisdom that he gives. I like that. And we should also note that the words shield, guard, watch over, all imply that we are involved in a battle. Do any of you ever feel like life is a constant battle? And sometimes it's like the battle is just raging. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes you do feel like that because in a very real way, you are involved in a battle. And maybe it's a spiritual battle, and you don't see the opposition that you're up against, but life is a battle for the Christian. And if you're enjoying a little bit of peace right now before the upcoming holidays, then thank God. Somebody once said, peace, or excuse me, peace is that brief, glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Sometimes you're like, ah, there's a little bit of calm in my life. And then it heats up a little more. But God is saying he will be your shield. Isn't that a great picture? Imagine going into battle and you're standing behind God Almighty. Isn't that a great picture? He's your shield. He's in front of you. Guess what is going to penetrate that shield? Nothing. Nothing. You will stand firm in the battle. Psalm 91, verse 2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 5. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because God is your shield who is guarding you and watching over you. So in the midst of the battle, you will stand firm, and the enemies will just fall at your sides. So wisdom is yours for the asking, and it will greatly benefit you. Number two, wisdom will deliver you. And here Solomon gives us two examples. He says that it will deliver us from evil men and from the forbidden woman. 
And of course, he's talking about the forbidden woman because he's writing this to his son. And it is sons especially who need reminding about the forbidden woman. Now, it's interesting. There's obvious parallel between the verses that talk about evil men in 12 to 15 and then the forbidden woman in 16 to 19. In verse 12, we're delivered from their perverted speech. And then when it comes to the forbidden woman, we're delivered from her smooth words, which most take as a reference to flattery. Uh, But here is something that we need to mark well. This flattery is intended to destroy. Psalm 55, 21 says, His speech, or excuse me, his speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Don't be taken aback by these flattering, smooth words of how strong, good-looking, smart, intelligent you are. They are drawn swords. And then in verse 13, talking about the evil men, uh, we're told that they forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. They don't walk in the light. They walk in the dark. And then describing the forbidden woman, verse 17, who forgets the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. This could be a reference to the marriage vows that she took before God. Uh, Some of you who have been here a while will remember Dean Hubert. Uh, His first wife passed away, and then he remarried uh, Peggy Jean. I had the uh, privilege of officiating their wedding, and on at least two occasions, maybe more, Peggy Jean said, I loved it that you referred to our marriage as a covenant. And I, I think she was taken aback by that because her evangelical background didn't talk about a covenant, but it was a reminder to her that she was entering into something sacred before God. And we're told that this woman forgets the covenant of her God. She, she turns away from that. And then in verse 14, the evil men are described this way, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Reminds me of Paul who says they glory in their shame, the things that they should be ashamed of. They actually glory in and rejoice in and and celebrate. But wisdom will deliver you from, from these men. And then talking about the forbidden woman in 18, Solomon says, for her house sinks down to death. And that's, that's quite a, a picture. In, in the Hebrew, the word is mat. And Bruce Wilkie writes that this Hebrew word is probably an allusion to the Canaanite god Mach, whose gaping throat is the gateway to the grave. That's, that's quite a picture. This This woman's house sinks down to death and it swallows up those who go into her. And then the verse goes on and it says, and her paths to the departed. 
I have a footnote in the ESV. It says that the Greek word is literally rephaim. Rephaim. And you should be asking, who are the rephaim? The rephaim were the enemies of God. They were giants. They're mentioned in Deuteronomy 2, 20 and following. It is also counted as a land of rephaim. Rephaim formerly lived there, but the Ammonites called them Zumzumim, a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them. And then dropping down to Deuteronomy 3.11. For only Gog, the king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim. Behold, his bed was a bed of iron. Nine cubits was its length, and four cubits was its breadth. In other words, it was anywhere from 12 to 13 feet long and six feet wide. This was a queen-size bed, or excuse me, a king-size bed, plus some, and that just for one man. He was a giant, and yet God took him down. And Solomon is saying, if you're not careful, this woman will swallow you up and you will go down to the enemies of God. It's a very graphic picture that Solomon is, is painting for us. And we, we don't see it because we interpret it in the English. But this would be like saying, if you go into her house, be careful. Her house is like that of John Wayne Gacy. To have dinner with her is like having dinner with Hannibal Lecter. And we'd be like, whoa. The ancient Israelites would have saw the symbolism. And hopefully, the young men were trembling, realizing that their lives are in danger, but they can be delivered from wisdom. It's a reminder that we need wisdom. Now, if you're thinking, I would never be so foolish. I wouldn't go into her house. There is also a proverb for you. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And if you've lived long enough, you've just heard the stories every so often, another one will come out. This man fell, this man fell, this man fell, this man fell. I, I remember when I first went to Moody, it seemed like there, there was a string of them. Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, Gordon McDonald. They, they were, it's, it's like they were just falling because of sexual Im immorality. And we have to realize we're, we're all susceptible, and we need God's wisdom to protect us, to guard us, to uphold us. And thankfully, it is available to everyone who will cry out. So wisdom, number one, is yours for the asking. Number two, wisdom will deliver you. Number three, wisdom will determine your future. So here's what we've seen thus far. If you cry out for wisdom, raise your voice, seek after it, search for it, God will give it to you. And you will find it to be a shield guarding you, watching over you. And then you will be delivered from wicked men and women. And you will stand firm. And then bringing us to our third point. And the result will be that you will 
Walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. You do not want to get off this path because destruction is waiting for you off this path. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in the land. You will not be moved from the land. But a final warning, the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of the land. Now, in order to understand these verses, once again, we have to view them through the lens of an ancient Israelite. Imagine living in Solomon's day. God tells the Israelites, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you through the Red Sea, across the Jordan River, into the Promised Land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And you are here because I brought you here. You are only here because I have brought you here. And you will remain in this land so long as I protect you, watch over you, and keep you in the land. If you should turn away from me, you will be cut off of the land. I don't, I don't know if you're going through the one-year Bible uh, Michelle and I are. I know some of you also read the one-year Bible. Currently, we're in Ezekiel, and, and this is what I read this morning in Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel 39, beginning at verse 23. And the nations will know that the people of Israel went into exile for their sin because they were unfaithful to me. So I hid my face from them and handed them over to their enemies and they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their offenses. And I hid my face from them. They went into exile out of the land because of their unfaithfulness. And God hid his face. And you know, the most important thing is to have the face of God shining upon you. Think of the... The blessing that Aaron was placed on the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But if you turn away from God, he'll turn his face away from you. And that's what he did to the Israelites when they sinned. And they went into exile. And Solomon is saying to his son, if you follow wisdom and, and walk in the good paths, you will remain in the land. God will be a shield about the whole nation. And the application for us Christians today is, is now God is giving his people the entire world. Jesus died so that the nations would be his. That's why the Great Commission is therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. Because Jesus bought them with, with his own blood. So we're to disciple the nations. But God still tells us, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Isn't that interesting? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That, that idea is important. If, if you come into an inheritance, it's because somebody gave it to you as a gift. And God says, you will inherit the earth. I will give it to you as a gift. If you are meek, if you follow me and live as I am calling you to.
to live. And that's the blessing that's promised to God's people if they will follow the wisdom that is available to them. There's, there's a story told about Socrates. Uh, said that on one occasion, a proud young man came to Socrates, and he said, Oh, great and mighty Socrates, I desire for you to give me wisdom. So Socrates said to the young man, Let's go for a walk. And they walked through the, the city, and then they, they came to the sea, and then they, they went into the water, and they were standing in the water up to their waist. And then Socrates turns to the young man, and he says, Now, what is it you would like me to give you? And he said, Oh, great Socrates, I want wisdom. And Socrates placed his hands on his shoulders and pushed him under the water and held him there for a full 30 seconds. And then he lifted him out of the water. And he said, now tell me again, what is it that you want from me? And he said, oh, mighty Socrates, knowledge. And again, he took his hands, put it on his shoulders, submerged him in the water. This time he held him under the water for 45 seconds. And then he lifted him up. And young man is trying to catch his breath. And Socrates says to him once again, young man, what is it that you want from me? And he says, oh, mighty Socrates, I want. And he pushes him under the water again. This time he holds him under the water for a minute. And then he lifts him out of the water and he drags him onto the shore. And, and the young man can, can hardly breathe. And Socrates says, now what is it you want? And he says, Air. I want air. And Socrates says, when you want wisdom, just as you now want air, you shall receive it. And Paul is saying in this, or excuse me, Solomon is saying in this passage, and we'll see it coming, if there is anything that you need, it is wisdom. It is wisdom that is going to watch over you. It is wisdom that will determine your future and your success in this life and in the life to come. Solomon is saying, it's available to you. Are you crying out for it? You know, it's, it's really interesting. More than one commentator made the observation that in this chapter, there, there are no commands. Rather, Solomon is just saying to his son, this is how life is. If you cry out for wisdom, God will give it to you. You'll receive these great benefits, and this blessing will be yours. Solomon is just saying, son, this is how life works. Do you want wisdom? The choice is yours. But as your father, I am hoping and praying that you're asking for wisdom. Because it is wisdom that you need more than anything else. It is wisdom that is going to make all the difference. And I hope that each one of you can see if there's anything you need, it's wisdom. And I'll say it to, to you one more time. God will give it to you. God will give it to you. Just ask, seek, knock. And he promises that he will answer. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you will give us wisdom. Wisdom in our relationships. Wisdom in every aspect of our lives, our 
our careers, our retirement, our finances. Father, will, will you give us wisdom? And I want to pray that this wisdom will guard us, watch over us, be a shield to protect us. I pray that this wisdom will result in your blessing in our lives. You desire to bless your people. But may we remember that your blessing comes through the wisdom that you give and the wisdom that is specifically found in your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.